Welcome to Salisbury Christian Church's Sermon Podcast. The sermon you are about to listen to was delivered on March 18, 2012. This week, we take a look at Matthew 12. Be sure to check out our website at salisburychristianchurch.org for the latest news and events at Salisbury Christian Church. This morning, we're going to be taking a look at uh, Matthew chapter 12. But uh, before we begin, I would like to share with you a couple jokes. Now, I know that some of you know who Bill Ingvall is, and he may not be the most family-friendly jokester in the world, but uh, he has a series of jokes that he likes to repeat, that he likes to tell, called Here's Your Sign. Now, Here's Your Sign jokes are... Uh, deliberately made to make fun or tease about people who ask silly questions with obvious answers. So I'd like to share a couple of those with you this morning. Here goes nothing. Last time I uh, had a flat tire, I pulled my truck into one of those side-of-the-road gas stations. The attendant walks out, looks at my truck, and uh, looks at me and asks, Tire go flat? Nope, I responded. I was driving around and those other three just swelled up on me. (laughs) Uh, Another one for you. I learned to drive an 18-wheeler. When I was driving, I I misjudged the height of a bridge and the truck got stuck and I couldn't get it out. So I called in and uh, reported it to the boss and then a cop shows up to assist me. He looks at me looks at the truck and says, get your truck stuck? Nope, I said. I was delivering the overpass and I ran out of gas. (laughs) These uh, jokes are used to tease about folks who ask questions that have really obvious answers. There really isn't a need to even ask them, but sometimes we ask them anyway. Now, I know some of you have been victims of these jokes or... Uh, I'm sure that I have even asked these questions before that have really obvious answers. But today we're going to be looking at an incident where Jesus was pointing to the obvious, but those around him still didn't get it. Our text in Matthew 12, starting in verse 38, uh, really shows us a scene where the crowds are beginning to form around Jesus. Now, there was a commotion, and the Pharisees and Jesus were having it out. Uh, Jesus had just driven out a demon from a man, and the Pharisees tell the crowds back in verse 24, it says, But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And uh, Jesus responds, of course, with his famous house-divided teaching. Back in uh, verse 25, it says this, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, By whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. 
But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus has driven out uh, demons by the power and authority of God, yet the Pharisees are not pleased with his explanation. And this is where we come to our main text. They're not pleased with his explanation, and in 38, they get down to business. It says, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. What the Pharisees were saying is that what Jesus had done, the miracles and things that he had performed, weren't good enough proof that he was sent from God. So they asked him for a sign, and really uh, back in that day, asking to perform a sign was a way of testing whether or not the messenger's message was true. And knowing the Pharisees, they're probably asking for a sign not only to prove Jesus' message, but also to rile up the crowd a little bit. They were famous for doing so. But Jesus responds in verse 39 in an unexpected way. He says, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now one greater than Jonah is here. What in the world is Jesus talking about? The sign of Jonah? If we go to Luke's account, it says... For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites. You see, what Jesus was saying here is that through Jonah's story, and if you remember Jonah's story, he refused to go preach to the Ninevites. And God said, that's fine. In uh, the account, it really says, uh, the account of Jonah, it says that God appointed a fish to swallow Jonah. So here's Jonah in the belly of a fish, and uh, some scholars believe that the gastric juices inside the, the uh, stomach of this fish would have bleached Jonah's skin. So here's Jonah in the belly of a fish, and on the third day, the fish goes to the shore, beaches himself, and bleh, throws up Jonah. And then Jonah gets the point. Well, okay, God, maybe I should go and preach the Ninevites. But what Jesus is talking about here, the sign of Jonah... What he was saying was that uh, Jonah and maybe even his bleached skin and his story was a sign to the Ninevites that God was great. The Ninevites saw Jonah. They heard his testimony. They heard his preaching and they repented. And here in verse 41, Jesus says, now one greater than Jonah is here. In effect, what Jesus was saying is, you think Jonah's story, you think Jonah's sign was miraculous? I'll not only uh, go through a, the same type of ordeal, but I will be put in the heart of the earth in a tomb. I will die and I will come back to life after three days. That'll be my sign. 
That'll be my miracle. Just in case the uh, Pharisees didn't get it, Jesus continues with his response to them in verse 42. He says, The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment of this nation, or of this generation, and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. You see, the Queen of the South was the Queen of Sheba. It was south of Israel. And back in Solomon's day, Solomon's kingdom and uh, Jerusalem and all that Solomon had was the wealthiest, the most uh, decadent society of its kind. It was a sight to see. People came from all over the place just to see the riches and the glory of Solomon's buildings. And the queen of Sheba, the queen of the south, heard about this man, Solomon. And so she sends a servant up to Israel to check it out and to bring word back to her because she just couldn't believe that anybody had a more beautiful kingdom than she did. Well, the servant returned and reported all of the wonders that he had seen, and the queen just had to go and see for herself. So the queen travels a long way just to see Solomon. And when she arrives in the account in 1 Kings, it says that she saw all of Solomon's wealth, all of Solomon's wisdom, and there was no more spirit in her. She was in such awe of the blessings that the Lord had bestowed on Solomon and Israel that she couldn't help but pronounce, Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore he made you king, do justice and righteousness. The queen of Sheba, we could probably say, didn't believe in God most high before she came to Solomon. And maybe she didn't necessarily believe in God after she left Solomon. But at that point in time, when she saw everything that God had given her, she could not help but say, Blessed be the Lord your God. And Jesus says, Yet one greater than Solomon is here. He says, You Pharisees, listen up, the ones that teach the law, you guys who know the prophecies, that know Israel's history, you who know the signs, I am the one that has been foretold. I am the one who is greater than Jonah. I am the one who is greater than Solomon. Yet, the Pharisees still refused to believe. Folks, I have a feeling that no amount of miracles or wonders were going to soften their hardened hearts. You see, as humans, especially in today's age, we are 
prone to wanting just one more piece of evidence when all we need is right in front of our face. The Pharisees outright refused to hear and to understand and to believe, even though the proof was right there. God has made it plain to us through His Word. He has made it plain to us through His blessing, through the lives that sit here today who have been changed, that Jesus Christ is the one greater than Jonah, the one greater than Solomon, the one greater than your circumstances, the one greater than all sin, and the one greater than death itself. Jesus is saying, through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection, here's your sign. It's the only one you need. The only one you need to believe and to be saved.